Hi, this is Joni, and this is the Red Lipped Rant, or just me talking to myself. That's the official title of the show. Welcome to the first episode of this latest of my many, many podcasts that I tend to do from here and there. Um, yeah, so as you can see, uh, I'm just here. You know, it's, it's here. It's fall. Happy holidays if you're just, you know, trying to enjoy this weird time in global U.S. world human history. You know, it's like we're all huddled. We're, most of us are still huddled up at home. Um, I have been, you know, in and out and I hope everything is going well for you guys. And I just wanted to welcome you to this first episode. Um, basically what this series or this show is going to be about, this podcast is going to be about, it's just me riffing and talking to myself, you know, because sometimes I feel like I should just put a microphone because I do tend to think out loud a lot, especially when I'm home alone a lot. And <laughs> so it would be great to just talk to you guys rather than, you know, put a microphone in it rather than have my neighbors thinking I'm just insane. So let's just get started. All right. I just wanted to open this series with um, a hello and a happy holidays to everybody. And several people have approached me to just do my own podcast because they watch the red lip rants on the Facebook, which are basically about three or four minutes of me talking about something at length and trying to have a call to action, trying to persuade my audience to do something because there's something about a situation that pisses me off and I just find it just a lot easier to just put some red lipstick on and just talk about it and that's what I'm doing right now <laughs> but in podcast form so uh today's episode on this pilot episode actually I don't want to take like a little bit of a difference because you know so um there have been a lot of streaming services that have been coming out right now like they're just like coming out like every few months there's like a new one and with it um these powerhouse networks these conglomerates um in which these streaming services are based they're actually just really data mining into their old libraries and they're just rebooting their shows and one of these streaming services is peacock which is owned by comcast nbc and one of the shows that they've just released after such a long wait is actually the Save by the Bell reboot. And for the longest time, I kept hearing about this reboot. I kept seeing the trailers for it. And I thought it was just something that was going to be shelved. And, you know, just the other day, just in time for Thanksgiving, they dropped season one. And I actually sat down and I watched it. I watched the pilot, you know, I watched the pilot and I was like, okay, like the first few minutes are kind of cool. And then I decided to watch the rest of the season and now I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about what I've observed. So, uh, let's see. First things first. Um, in case you don't know, Saved by the Bell is one of my favorite shows, uh, growing up. Um, it aired from what, 89 to, well, technically you could say 88 to 2000 so that was a very long time and the most popular era had to have been the one that we all know about which aired from 89 to 1993 it was the cornerstone of the tnbc uh the tnbc saturday morning lineup while every other channel while every other channel on the big three networks was airing cartoons on saturday mornings uh, NBC decided to just go a different route. At the time, I think the programming executive was the legendary Brandon Tartikoff opted to um, shift away from cartoons, which were geared towards children, and decided to catch the older crop of kids, the teenagers, or the preteens, even though they weren't called preteens back then. And it was act and actually proved successful. Uh, and I think Saved by the Bell was the show that they decided to base this around because what happened was Saved by the Bell used to be called Good Morning Miss Bliss. It aired on the Disney Channel um, for a year. It starred, of course, um, what's her name? 
it starred oh crap i should uh let's see da, 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 da. all right so it starred uh of course mark paul gossler it starred um mark paul gossler like Voorhees, and dustin diamond and it was ooh, and Haley mills there you go and Haley mills is their teacher there are also a couple of other characters on there including of course um mr belding dennis haskins and Heather Hopper, and there was this other kid called Max Badimo, and uh, it didn't do well. When you, if you remember Good Morning, Miss Miss Bliss, it it was. If you remember those episodes, let's just say you can actually find yourself just um, passing through them. Like they, like you could take a few days from watching them because they were kind of slow, and you understand what they were trying to do. But it's just like uh, they're 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 cute to watch, but it doesn't have like the it doesn't have like the energy of what happened when it was canceled and then it got retooled, and they dropped um, they dropped a lot of characters in Good Morning Miss Bliss. They switched gears. They kept um, they kept Voorhees. They kept Gosler and they kept Diamond and they kept Haskins, and they retooled it and they put it on NBC it got renamed Saved by the Bell it went from Indiana to Indiana to California and then it became and they added three more characters you know Tiffany Amber Thiessen or Tiffany Thiessen now Elizabeth Berkeley or Elizabeth Berkeley Warren Lauren and uh, of course Mario Lopez and once that happened the show just took off it became an international smash it airs in every country and every language at some point in time, uh, and it, it it was it's a great show to watch. Um, of course, you know there were some missteps throughout the four years. You know, uh, of course, it spawned Save by the Bell: The New Class, which wasn't as funny, but that thing ran for a very very long time, which I never understood why, even though with the revolving door cast, and so. You know, and of course it spawned, what was it? It spawned a couple of movies, Hawaiian Style and Wedding in Las Vegas. That was like the show's finale. And it also spawned uh, The College Years, which aired for a season. The College Years weren't that bad. It's just that, you know, it just seemed like they were trying to patch something together. And then, um, so, yeah. Say uh, So what happened was... <laughs> Uh, let's see. After that, you know, Say by the Bell lives in the culture. It airs on TBS. It airs on, um, when I was watching it when I was a kid. I wasn't really watching it when it was on, um, first run on TNBC. I was watching it when it was airing on WPIX here in New York on Channel 11 in the afternoons. So I'd rush home from school, you know, and at the time there was like this really great lineup that featured, what was it? It featured Saved by the Bell. Charles in Charge, and a couple other shows, Full House and something else, Freshman to Bel Air. So it was those four shows that cemented my love of television and programming. And they were very important to my cult. They were very important to me because they gave me a slice of um, what high school could be like and just how interesting, you know, the teen years are. And then I had teen years and it turned out nothing like that to my chagrin. And the show lives in the culture, and Dennis Haskins had been coming out on several... He came out on Jimmy Fallon, um, and there had always been, like, this push for a reunion, because back in, like, the 2000s, every TV show cat like the, they would always want the cast to just have a little reunion so they could catch up and be all nostalgic. And it... Uh, Fallon tried to have it happen the first time, but the best he could do was the California Dreams uh, reunion, which, I'm sorry, that thing looked so awkward, looked like none of them wanted to be there, it felt like it was like the first time they'd seen each other since they rapped, which it probably was, and they just looked like none of them wanted to be there, and <laughs> it was just, it was just so awkward to watch, um, and then they tried again. And when they tried again, they actually got 
Mark Paul Gossler to come on to the Fallon show in full-blown Zach Morris gear and him in character and everything down to the Patrick Ewan sneakers, the hair, the blonde high cut. Uh, so it looked good. It looked good and it was funny. And then they did it again and they featured, um, who they featured? They featured Elizabeth Berkeley came back and Mark Paul Gossler came back. I don't, and I think Timber, uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, I think she came in, but she didn't. So they, they dug up the set, I guess, from the NBC soundstage. They, they still had them stored back there. And it was quite, it, it was interesting. And it was fun. And I guess it got interested. It, it gained traction online. And um, three, four years later, we now have the Save by the Bell reboot. Now, of course, a lot of people, like me included, were very are extremely protective and skeptical of reboots of shows that we've grown up with because sometimes it just doesn't work. We live in that era where it's like, don't touch a reboot because there's a reason why it lives in the culture as it does. And we understand the appeal to try to, you know, appeal to a whole new demographic. And... It's just, you're, you just don't want them to. You just don't want them to touch a classic. And, of course, they do because, you know, they, they want to make money. And it's a lot easier to reboot a classic rather than, you know, shift through your, sift through your vaults and find actual original content. Wink, wink. Hello, hello. And so now we have that. So that brings us up to the present right now. So I watched the entire season last night I had nothing to do and um I never knew when they were going to release it because I kept watching the trailers and I thought okay this they probably are going to shelve it because they just don't don't trust it and I get an email from Peacock saying hey it's up and I watched the whole season all 10 episodes um actually I don't hate it at all I do not hate it at all so I'm going to talk about so Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about, I'm not going to give anything away. Um, and I'm just going to reiterate what's already on, what's already online. So what's already online, according to the show in the current Canon, it takes place in 2019, 2020, today. And uh, Zach Morris is the governor of California. I had always thought that Zach Morris would be senator, but, you know, this is just as good. Um, and how he became governor is quite simple, and it's classic Zach Morris. He, in order to do the simplest thing, he just opts to just do the most complicated thing in order to solve the problem. Um, so that's that. And when he's governor, he actually he actually this he actually makes a decision to balance the state budget to take ten billion dollars out of state education in California forcing schools to close, especially underperforming schools. So right off the bat, they're actually doing some, they're, they're actually, you know, trying to work in some real world issues, which Save by the Bell really never tried to address, or they just didn't want to, um, they didn't want a very special make it into like, they wanted you to enjoy things they just didn't want you to, they didn't want to bog it down with heavy topics. And I think that was just a thing with NBC. Because um, they did the same thing. No, actually, it was just like a thing within the era because the Cosby Show did that, and so did um, what other tenants of what other shows? Full House. It's like there's always one very special episode, and after that, they decide to keep the show as light and as fluffy and as marshmallow soft as possible. So that's what happens. Um, and. You know, Zach says he feels bad about what he did and, you know, he wants to try to make it better. So um, it's not easy being the governor of a big state like California. And somebody suggests, well, um, and it's like, I, I love public school. I went to public school. I went to one of the best public schools in the city and now my in the state. And now my son goes there. And somebody suggested, well, if your son goes there, maybe those kids in uh, in the schools you close should also go there, too. And he went, huh? So it, it gets like and then it snowballs to the point where the, it's busing. So they're trying to bring that issue back. So a bunch of these um, these black and brown kids, these um, the show actually 
the the show still has it's like the core six characters three of them are in um they're actually in affluent palisades california and then there are three who are not who are from other parts of california um we they don't really specify where they're from it's just known that they're in an area where schools are gravely underfunded which is a great way to open up dialogue um actually the three characters are actually um so i'll just list it off right now so the main characters are Haskiri velasquez and she plays daisy jimenez who is a according to wikipedia a smart ambition sophomore who is excited at the prospect of attending bayside high after her local school gets shut down uh alicia pascual peña as Alicia Garcia, Daisy's fun-loving but ultra-competitive best friend and Bayside's new starting quarterback. And finally, Mr. Dexter Darden as Devontae Young, a new student at Bayside who has a love for high school musicals. So, um, Avi, so Alicia Pascual Peña is Afro-Latina, Husky Velasquez is Latina, and Dexter Darden is a, is a black kid. So those, so those are like those. And then there are three other characters that are already matriculated at Bayside. So you have Mitchell Hoog, who is Mac Morris, the handsome, charming, privileged son of the governor, Zach Morris and Kelly Kapowski. Oh, I forgot to mention that. So Zach and Kelly in this canine are still together. Uh, Then you have, let's see, Belmont Camelli, who plays Jamie Spano, who is captain of the football team and Jesse's sensitive man child of a son. That character relationship is, it's hilarious to watch. And I'll talk about that a little bit as well. And the sixth character, which I think is quite, 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 it, it, it's, it up to, it actually makes it up to date. Sorry for, um, sorry for like stumbling a little bit there. So it's Josie Tota uh, as Lexi Haddad Di Fabrizio a sharp-tongued transgender cheerleader who has her own reality show. Um, that so there's good, so if you decide to pick up and watch the show, you're going to see that there are a lot of issues that are brought to the attention that you never quite fully saw um, in the original canon of the show, which is fine. Um, you know, they were doing what they were trying to do at the time, and we now have this hip up-to-date version and it's quite it's quite fascinating to watch now now rounding it out you also have you also have um so if you want to bring back the old cast you have definitely have mario lopez as ac slater a physical education teacher and football coach who's kind of like trying to re he has his little al bundy flow so he's trying to relive his glory days and elizabeth berkeley lauren who plays jesse spano who's and she's a school counselor. She's basically the guidance counselor. And she has a PhD in educa- educational ph- psychology. So though, so that makes up that. And if you're wondering who's principal, um, it's John Michael Higgins who plays Principal Ronald Todman. And he took over the role as, um, of building at, as principal of Bayside High. All right, so I think I'm just going to start off with that. Like that whole thing, because if you notice, I did not mention um, Lark Voorhees and Dustin Diamond. So this is what I'm going to talk. So here's here's the thing. Mm, So when it comes to Screech and Lisa, Lisa appears in the series in a very small role who she's now living the best life in as a fashion designer in Europe. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. And she's living the best life. She looks great on it. When I saw her, when I saw her in the episode, I was genuinely happy to see her because we, because there had been a picture that showed up online where you see her in character. She looked beautiful. And she said that she wasn't asked to do the show at first. But then again, that's like the main rumor. It's like a lot of them weren't asked to do it. Mark Paul Gosler and Tiffany Thiessen, they were not asked to do it at first but then they got coaxed into it and not only that Gosler and Thiessen they became producers of the show actually all of them became producers of the show so that's that now um you're probably asking what they did with Screech 
So this is what I wanted to talk about. This is the heart of what I wanted to talk about today on this podcast. They did something really interesting with Screech. I think they did. Um, so Dustin Diamond, as you know, the actor, he burned a lot of bridges because he released a book. And the book didn't wasn't received too well. A lot of the cast members were kind of hurt by it. They were they felt a little exposed. They felt um, they they outright said that there were a bunch of lies, and they didn't realize that Dustin was going through the pain that he was going through when he was playing Screech. And unfortunately, right now Dustin Diamond is incarcerated um, on violent crime on a violent crime. I won't go too deep into that. But he is alive and well. I know there was a there was a rumor saying that he died in a prison riot. He's alive and well for the most part. And I'm not sure when he'll be released from prison. And um, that's kind of sad. It's kind of unfortunate. But I'm not even sure if and when he is released. And this show goes into seasons two, three. If it continues on, like there, there's no, there's no saying how he's go- what it, what they're gonna do to his character, how they're gonna fold his character in. Um, however, what I will tell you right now is, um, they did honor Screech. They did honor the character of Screech in two ways. If you learn that the show, <clears throat> it's actually mentioned that Screech and Kevin are successful in their own rights, and that's why you don't see them. Um, they're not even on the planet. Let's put it that way. Um, so we'll say that. So I'll say that much. They're not even in the planet. They're alive, but they're not on the planet. So I'll say that. Uh, let's see. So that's the that's that's the first way they honored Screech. Now the second way they honored Screech is quite interesting because I'm reading here. It says that um, T- Ronald Todman, the principal is the principal of um, Bayside after Mr. Belding leaves. Now, here's the thing. Back in 2000, I think, I I was in high school at the time, and they were saying that it was the series finale of the show. So I decided to watch it. So so that day I picked up myself, I I got out of bed, and I decided to watch it because I wanted to see how they they were going to finish the show. And... Um, what I learned, what, what we learn in, in the last episode is, is that Mr. Belding takes up a job at his college as a dean. So he becomes a principal in a way in a higher, in a higher education setting. And Screech, who had been his assistant vice principal for like maybe most of the show's run, is now the new school principal. Is now a school principal. That's how the show is supposed to end. And Screech takes the job because he left college and just decided to go into education and he becomes principal of Bayside. <clears throat> that's how the show ends. And that's that's what I remember. Now, when we come back to Save by the Bell in 2920 today, he is Ronald Todman, which totally makes sense. I'm not going to hate on that cuz things happen. Screech was not a av- Screech Samuel Powers was not available to do it so they honored him by sending him off somewhere to a position that he can't really get to um and um as you watch the episodes with john michael higgins who is fabulous in the role by the way he is hilarious um he is hilarious and (laughs) he's great and as you're watching you realize that he is a grown-up version of speak he is a grown-up version of screech so, and like my husband said, he, it, he is Screech. He is the Screech. And it makes so much sense because when you watch him, he does a lot of the slapstick and there's a lot of the comedy. And it's quite exciting. And the fact that he, like, he actually wants to fight for people and there is a dorkiness element to him and he falls down a lot. And he does try to want to vibe with the students, much like Mr. Belding did. So also in case you're one, so that's how they honored Screech. So in a way, they um, John Michael Higgins is a stand-in for Dustin Diamond in that respect. Um, and in case you're wondering what happens to Mr. Belding, apparently Mr. Bell Dennis Haskins is not getting involved in the role, which is kind of sad because I guess it's like that's the role he's known for, and he kind of wants to like get away from that because in fandom. 
that's how people know him. Like he can't get stopped on the street without somebody saying, hey, 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 what's going on here? And I kind of do that now. Actually, that's what I want. That's a, actually, that's another part I wanted to talk about. Even though Mr. Belding is not on the show, Mr. Belding is mentioned once <laughs> by Zach Morris. Um, and if you look, if you, I'm a big fan of set design and the principal's office, Principal Todman's office is purely an updated version of Mr. Belding's office. It's purely updated. The PA system, the wood paneling, the formica, the color scheme, the wind, the frosted windows. It's a perfect um, way to honor it. They honored Mr. Belding so well by giving him that kind of office. So I, I love that and I can appreciate that. Uh, so uh, I love that the fact that they did that. Uh, and he is also honored in another scene, like when they're talking about principles, um, a lot of his mannerisms, a lot of his desire to be, to, to go back to his youth and, you know, trying to live his glory days to his students. That's also quite present in principal, um, Todman. So that's, I, I love the fact that they did that and they honored him. They honored Dennis Haskins and Dustin Diamond in that respect. And it's quite exciting. It's quite exciting when they did that. And you have to watch. You have to keep watching the episodes in order to see that. So I definitely recommend it. If you're a big, De- if you're a big Screech and um, Belding fan, you should definitely pay attention to that. You should definitely pay attention to those little context clues. Also, when you think about it, here's an interesting fact. Uh, Dennis Haskins and Dustin Diamond were the only two cast members that have been in every single iteration of Saved by the Bell up until this point. So, Good Morning Miss Bliss, they were there as Screech and Mr. Belding throughout the original class, throughout, throughout, um, Throughout the new and a new class. Now, the only thing is Dustin Diamond is the only one that appears in every iteration. In every iteration of the canon of the universe. So that's old class, new class, uh, college years, and Good Morning, Miss Bliss. So that's that. And I guess in a way, that's kind of them trying to retire their characters once and for all because they are so beloved. Like, I know, like, some characters haven't aged as well because now you have the whole thing with um, with the whole trend of Zach Morris's trash, which is funny because the creator of Zach Morris's trash is actually a writer for that show. So let's talk a little bit about that right now. So um, you're probably wondering about the main cast, the students at um, at Bayside. So here's the thing. <clears throat> here's the thing I noticed. I was trying to pigeonhole them. I was trying to find who was the Jesse, who was the Zach, who was the Kelly, who was the Lisa. And the truth is, to update this show, to update the show, to have it fit into this generation, it's it's quite interesting, just the simple fact that they all share. It's like they all share certain characters. Um, of course, uh, Daisy Jimenez is supposed to be the lead. She's supposed to be like the front, but, and she is the one that is the most like Zach in certain ways. And by that, I mean the breaking of the fourth wall and freezing time. She's the one that does that. She's the only one on the show that does that. So I guess she's the Zach, which is quite interesting. And, um, I'm supposed to, you're, and I love that. I actually love that. And she down and the last detail that actually makes it so is the fact that she still has the iconic Zach Morris phone. And can we talk about the fact that she can walk around with that Zach Morris phone in 2019 with some shame, but it still works. And if you want to talk about phones, in the episodes that Mark Paul Gossler appears in, um, check out his phone. Because, because, of course, you always know that Zach Morris is always ahead of his time. And his phone is ahead of its time. 
and I'm not going to talk about, okay, I guess I'll talk about it. He actually has like, there was a phone that was floating around a few years ago, a prototype of a phone that's going to be in the future where it's a piece of lucite. He has it. And you're like, it's a little detail that you don't really notice, but it's pretty dope when you look at it. And I'm actually quite excited about that part. So that's that. Now, um, so uh, Daisy is supposed to be the Zach in that respect. But you start to see Zach. But, of course, Zach is Mac. Mac, Mac Morris is Zach Morris. Um, in the super id, in like that, that id thing. It's like the scheming, the scheming, the good looks, the charm, the privilege. Like, that's Zach Morris reincarnated. And it seems like sometimes when you're watching it, that there doesn't seem to be um, any of Kelly Kapowski's humility in it. Humility, uh, humility in him. If anything, it exists in Daisy. Daisy's also kind of very interesting because Daisy has very much. Daisy is also a little Jesse as well. So they actually took the character of Daisy and they made it so that it, it has uh, Zach Morris's. Zach Morris is like way to talk to you, but Jesse Spano's um, activism and desire to change the world and desire to change like things around her so that things are more fair for everybody. So I can actually appreciate that. Um, now, uh, let's see. What else? Uh, Josie Toda, who plays Lexi. Lex. Okay, so this was so Lexi is the obviously she is the um she is the update to the show she doesn't really have any of the elements of the other characters i guess there's a little lisa in here because she is of privilege she is wealthy and um if you and also she has a very keen fashion sense and lisa 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 turtle was the fashionista she's the original fashionista in the canine so i could appreciate that so I guess that's where they're trying to do it. And also she is a transgender character. And also if you remember in the show, Lisa Turtle is the only, well, not the only, but she is the character, she is the most outright and most present um, character of color as being the only black cast member. You also have Mario Lopez as A.C. Slater, but we don't figure, but A.C. Slater is so racially ambiguous throughout the high school years that you don't find out his actual heritage until you get to college when he finds out he's Mexican and his father had to change his name so that they wouldn't so that he could assimilate better into the American culture and in the army that's that so that's that backstory but so I guess that's the updated Lisa and I will leave it at that now uh, uh Belmar uh Jamie Spano is supposed to be the child, man, child, kid of Jesse, who basically if you take if you take Jesse and how she was very protective and um, activist and like very much into like any new age stuff, Jamie would be the ultimate manifestation of that. So, you know, she kind of coddles him. She is the helicopter parent of all helicopter parents. She is the bulldozer parent of all bulldozer parents. And Jamie is a direct um, is a direct result of that. Now, of course, it's like you would think he is like the baby Slater of the group. But actually, the baby Slater of the group is Aisha. So that's very interesting. The fact that Aisha is the only girl on the team. She is also the head of the squad. And she's hella competitive. And yeah. So, and one thing I just love about this is like, I love Alicia Pascual Pena. Like I, I just, like, I found myself drawn to her whenever she was on screen, like her braids and the Afro Latina. And I honestly thought she was black, black. She was black. But then she started to speak Spanish. And just the fact that these two, like their chemistry on screen, like Hiskiri Velasquez and. Alicia Pascual Peña like their chemistry is intense like they vibe off each other so well and I could actually enjoy that I mean some people would think that the acting would be off but actually it's really really good they have a very good sense of comedy and delivery and I'm quite excited about that 
and Dexter. <laughs> See, that's the thing. So I'd like to think that um, Jamie is a screech because it, it, when you look at the curly hair and kind of like the baby face, so you kind of assume he's kind of a screechy type and he's kind of dorky and a little like a little offbeat. So he must be the screech of the group. So that's what um, I found out. And um, Devante, which, funny enough, I think he is the Kelly of the group. I think he is the Kelly because he's not athletic, but he has talent. And um, he does come from a family that he has to take care of people. So if you remember in the original Kanon, Kelly Kapowski has several brothers and sisters, and she's usually called upon to babysit and take care of them. Now, uh, Devontae Young, the actor Dexter Darden, who plays him, uh, he's, he has to take care of his grandmother because we don't know what, where his parents are, but we assume that they're just not in his life. And he, he basically helps take care of his grandmother in a way. And, so, and they're not really a family that's affluent. affluent. So... That's where, so I think she, he is the Kelly Kapowski of it. He is the Kelly Kapowski. He is an updated Kelly Kapowski. All right. Ooh, I'm a little long-winded right now. Let's see. Let's just take a break. All right. So, all right. And so that's the thing. All right. So I guess a lot of other people, I guess you're also, so those are the characters that I'm talking about. Now, you're probably wondering who else is in there. So, Another thing is like you're probably thinking of asking me about the set. So Palisades, California, Bayside High. We know that at Bayside High, there was maybe three sets, three main sets. The, the iconic hallway where you'd see Zach Morris slide down the banister. The um, And two classrooms that were used interchangeably all the time. And oh, also the gym. I keep forgetting about the gym which would stand in for an auditorium, but never a cafeteria. So the show actually, so when you're looking at the set, since it's single camera, they're able to take a camera inside a building and actually shoot 360 degrees. By that, I mean the camera could be p positioned wherever. Now, when you're watching the show, the multi-camera, you can't do that. You can't put a multi-camera inside of a building. You have to build a set for it. You have to build a stage. Now, so I, that's the main difference. So things are happening all over Bayside, and lockers are all over the place. And, you know, there are different classrooms, and <laughs> the hilarity happens in the classrooms. So that's that. that was it. And the thing is... It's very updated. Bayside High is extremely updated. There is the iconic staircase and hallway, but you know not much happens there. Then you're like then you then there's the entryway where, where things really do happen. There are classrooms here and there, but they all look different from each other. So that's that. Um, there aren't many scenes at home. So, you know, so basically everything takes place within there. Also, another thing is the Max. So when I first saw the Max, it looked like they dug it up. <laughs> it looks like they dug it up out of the soundstage at Universal Studios and they, they found it and they dug it up. And what they did was they added like another half to it. And it looks really good. It, it has that retro feel. When we were watching Say by the Belt, when it was like um, when it was like the multi-camera stage, it looked like the time period with the method with the Memphis design and the squiggles and the primary colors and stuff like that. And how everything takes place within like maybe three or four tables and booths. The max in this iteration is actually quite expansive. There's a bar. There's a bar, of course. There's no alcohol in it, but there's a bar, and I, I think that's the ba major addition. There are more tables, and um, there's more room to play around in it, and it's lit. It it doesn't have that flat studio lighting. Lighting it actually has like that filmy lighting happen to it. So that's what. Uh, also, that was the that was another exciting part of it. That's why I got so excited about that. I was like, I saw it. and I was like, what? 
Tell me they did not. Like, I feel like they either dug up the old set or they, I don't know, like, or whoever was involved with the art direction. Kudos to you for nailing it down to every single detail to the point that they even have Ed Alonzo, the, uh, um, the magician who played the owner of the Max. And I love that. And Ed Alonzo looked like he never aged. He doesn't have glasses, but he never aged and he's still doing the magic. And it felt good. That was like, that felt so good when you're seeing that. You're just like, oh, it's so cute. And you felt like, yeah, this is nice. So, uh, so now, so that was that. That's that in the set. And of course, you have the school bus and all that. Uh, and you have the school bus where Devante, Devante, Daisy, and, um, and at least, and Aisha come are coming in every day, and you know that's how the show typically opens. Remember, in old Canaan, it would open up at the Max or in the hallway, but in this, it typically opens up at the it, on the bus, and they talk about they they set up the show to tell you, oh, this is what's going to happen, and this is their aspiration for the episode, and then it goes to the theme song, which I'll get to right now in a few minutes, and it, it you know that sets it up. The cold open sets it up for the whole show. So, so let's talk about the theme song. It's been updated, and by and it was done by um, Little Yachty. As I was watching it and listening to it, I'm not a fan. I'm I'm not I'm not a fan of it. Like I understand you wanted to update it, but you wanted to keep it as close to the original as possible. But my in my heart, I was just like, that's not the mix I was looking for, you know. So, but I love the fact that they updated the graphics to the to the opening titles. You know, it's like you know it had like all the remnants of high school, and all the remnants of being a teenager. So shoes, headphones, um, activities, phones. So I think they did a really good job about that. So I, I can appreciate that. So I can appreciate the fact that they updated it. They kept it. They kept the spirit of it, but they just updated it. But something about the theme song was just not my thing. Like, I was just not digging it. But, you know, that's here or there. You know, it's also you have to think about the fact that when they're doing this, when they were doing this reboot, they're actually trying to get four generations. They're trying to appeal to four generations at the same time. So they're trying to get the X, which is who the show was originally for. The Y's, which are me, um, XYZ, those that sh- watched the show long after it was it ended, and they watched it in um, in syndication, and Z, those that saw it on Hulu, like their basically their parents watched it when they were their age. So you're trying to get four generations in one shot, and of course some will like it, some won't. But I actually enjoy it, so I'm I'm quite excited about it personally. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, in case you're wondering, oh, also, um, for those of us that love the Canon, uh, you know who comes back? Who I was genuinely excited about, uh, Mr. Dewey, the math teacher. Oh God, yo, he came back and he looks great. When I saw, I was like, I was literally screaming. I was like, oh, my God, it's Mr. Dewey. <laughs> oh, he was great. Uh, and I was wondering if they were going to bring back others. I know they can't bring back Mr. Tuttle because the actor died. Um, but I do know that Mr. Dewey is back. So I love that. And I'm glad that he's still here and he still looks great. Um, I'm glad that the that Mac Ed Alonzo is Max is back. Um I don't know if they are going to bring back Mr. Belding. It'd be kind of fascinating if they did. Uh, yeah, like, that's another thing. It's like the teachers at Bayside, there's like, there may be like Mr. Be- like Mr. Dewey and Mr. Tuttle were the two main ones that kept coming, that were come back. But the other ones weren't coming back. So that's fine. So yeah, um... So I guess like we could talk a little bit right now about the updated version. So what's been happening in the lives of the original cast since the show and since they graduated. Of course, you know, 
Zach Morris is the governor of California and Kelly Kapowski is now Kelly Morris and she is the first lady of California. You always knew that Zach was going to marry Kelly from the beginning, from that episode where they had the home ec project where they had to get married. So you figured it was going to be like that. Um, so you figured that's what would be a thing. Uh, I guess what I'm kind of upset about is the fact that when we last left them, she was pre-med and she's not a doctor. So I, I was kind of disappointed in hearing that. And she's now um, the CEO of a wellness brand and she talks in circles about it. And you're just like, yeah, like that, that that's a way to talk about it. That's a way to just definitely talk about it. Um, Zach Morris is actually an attorney, which, duh, like I, I, he, for a guy that's like, he was like such a slick talker and he always knew, he always, he was always looking for a loophole in everything. So of course he'd be an attorney. And, um, Mario Lopez is a physical education teacher, which, and, um, Elizabeth Berkeley is a guidance counselor, which you kind of understand because Jesse was kind of sympathetic and cared about everybody. And AC Slater, he was an athlete. I mean, he was in the football team. He was also in the basketball team and he was, I think he ran, he was wrestling. And I think there was an stint in track. Basically they were in every sport ever. And Lisa Turtle is actually a fashion designer, which you kind of figured out. And of course, uh, Screech has his career in science, which I thought he would just become the principal. But since in real life, you know, uh, <laughs> Dustin Diamond is in jail, they had to like they had to like be clever about that. So um, let's see. Uh, you're probably asking me if how do I feel about the show? in general because I just gave you the brass tacks of everybody so I like the show I see here's the thing I don't like when people ask me if I like something or if I if it's good I understand that people they value my opinion on certain things like this but when it comes to a reboot my opinion is only as good as I can give you so so far I like it personally but then again I'm also a person with weird taste and I personally like it. And I like the fact that they did their job, which was they took the show. They took they took what we knew and loved about the show and they basically updated it. They kept in mind that there have been significant changes in um, politics, uh, racial issues, education issues, um, LGBT issues like the, all of that stuff is um like all that all the stuff that they tried to not include into the show because they wanted to just make a show about teenagers and their hijinks but he didn't really want to deal with that I think that they did a really good job at trying to fold it in and they're not being too and they're not trying to throw it in people's faces you know that um, Lexi is transgender you know that and it's mentioned in the first episode and we don't really go we don't really come back to it until maybe four or five episodes in when Devante begins to learn about her so I, I, I appreciate that part um, I love the fact that I love the fact that um, Daisy has made it so that those around her at Bayside were sympathetic to her cause and they become empathetic which is huge so they care uh, let's see yeah <laughs> um so you're asking if i like the show i like it i like it and i think there is definitely room to play with the season two and if they make it to season two that'd be great because the thing is, the character, there's so much room to play with. There's so much to play with. And there's so many storylines that were left open um, by the end of the show. There, were definitely a, there was definitely a triangle that, was, that definitely needs to be played with in season two. Um, and there's so many, there's such a wealth of like secondary recurring characters around them. Like you have like members of the football team, members of the student council. It, there were definitely a lot of... Um, there, there are definitely a lot of things to play with, um, especially when you go into the adult canon. 
where you see that Jesse Spano is struggling with her marriage and, you know, how uh, Slater just move like it, there's a history there. So they're they're best friends. And Slater becomes Slater realizes that who he was back in the day was kind of a chauvin like all the things that Jesse used to call him out on. He's starting to realize that he did exemplify that. And he does apologize for that. He atones for it. I really I enjoyed that. And it, it shows growth in his character. Because in his character, he is the most stunted. When you look at the Pekanon, he is the most stunted. But as the season progresses, he actually grows. So I'd love to see how that um, how that progresses. And yeah. So personally, I just uh, my favorite parts of the show. Oh, so I guess we could just talk about the comedy of the show. Now, of course, when it comes to reboots, <laughs> when it comes to reboots, um, usually the comedy falls flat because I guess what happens is like they try to bring in like all the old writers to do it. But the fact that they went, they dug in, they dug in and they looked for um, newer writers, younger writers, writers that grew up on the show that are able to criticize, <clears throat> criticize and grow the characters. One of the things I, I particularly enjoyed was the fact that um, the character, the, uh, so the writer for, <laughs> the writer for Zach Morris's Trash is one of the writers on the show. And I think you could, you could hear his tone. You could hear his voice in the fact that there is such a self-actualization in the show. There is an awareness of just how strange Bayside is. Like, um, so, you know, in Bayside, sometimes when you look at the characters and if you look like there's one episode where the running gag is that Aisha notices that the senior class, they look old, like old, old, not just older teenagers, but just older people. And she's like, I don't understand that. Does nobody notice that? And the truth is, sometimes you would watch Say by the Bell and you were noticing that there were characters that were a little on the old side. So they make fun of that. They also make fun of, um, they also make fun of uh, the, like, how is it possible that kids could come and eat at a sit-down restaurant every day? Like, how is that possible? When do they have time to actually get there to do that? Um, of course, one of the questions that I always ask myself, everybody in the show is about 15 years old and to get a license in California, you have to be 16. So how are all these people driving that kind of like that? Sometimes it's like you have to what they call the um, what's it called? Throw out uh, the theater of the absurd uh, dis suspend disbelief. So you have to suspend disbelief, like just play along with it because it's there for a reason. Um, actually, and I, one of the things that I actually enjoyed was the fact that Dexter, uh, Devante, Dexter Darn, Devante Young has these two friends and those two friends are at Valley. Um, so Valley makes a, Valley makes, um, a return in Save by the Bell. You never see it. Just like in the show, you only hear about people going to Valley and you hear about the competitions with Valley and you understand their experience of there as two black kids going to valley and how they had to assimilate so that was fascinating as well um so again the self-actualization of the show was pretty good the comedy is pretty good the comedy is pretty good i played the pilot for my husband when i was done watching it myself my husband came home from work and i played the pilot for him and i was playing like the first five minutes and I told him, like, so Zach Morris is governor, and when you hear it, it's actually, it's it's exactly how you expected it. So he, he heard it, and he just started, he just laughed. He just started to laugh. He was like, that's exactly, yeah, that seems like something he would do. That's actually funny. And when you're watching it, when you're watching the episodes, there are, it's actually so, the comedy is updated so well that it's funny. The show is funny. I found myself cracking up like several times in an episode and I never used to do that in watching sitcoms growing up. It's only recently that I started to laugh. Like I know parts are funny, but I never laughed at it. 
So one of the one of the best things about the show. So in the so you know there was a laugh, there was a live audience and a laugh track. I never <laughs> So it was like I knew that was a joke, but it never it never landed with me. But it lands with me now, but the fact that you you when you remove that element and you listen to the delivery and the chemistry of the characters, it's perfect. The comedy is really good. It's not perfect, but you know what? It actually has me wanting to go to the next episode. So when by the time I got to like the last episode, I was kind of sad. I was like, oh, man, now I got to wait. But um, I guess I could spoil this part. So Zach Morris gets, a, gets an alert on the phone that says, and he's like, coronavirus? What's that? And you're just like, okay, they set up season two. So I cannot wait to see what that is. Uh, we'll see what happens on that front. Oh, so in case you're wondering, um, a lot of old elements of Saved by the Bell comes back. So one of the most iconic episodes of the show is Friends Forever, their show. And you see Zach Morris and they're all dressed up. Now, Lisa's not there and Screech is not there, but Jesse fills in and they start singing and they start singing a song. It's like, remember that band we had? It was successful. We had a hit. And Zach Morris is like, wait, wait, wait. The only reason why it's successful in my head is because I thought of it in a dream. <laughs> and that had, that had me cracking up. I was on the floor, literally on the floor cracking up, laughing at that part. So I love that. Uh, let's see. So, like, that part. So, there are some things that they actually do come in. Um, you're probably wondering if they did, like, the the new class and they just regurgitated old episodes. No. Not really. They didn't do that. And I'm actually quite excited. I guess they, they, realized, they realized that doing that would be bad. <laughs> Like it's like no, you don't want to. You don't want to do what you did because that's what happened with the new class, and that's why the show failed so bad. It didn't fail because it was on for ten years. But who was really paying attention, and who really talks about Saved by the Bell, the new class? Nobody really does. I've never actually heard any of my friends talking about that in any way, except to say that the show was it. It, it was just like it made no sense for the show to continue. It's kind of like The Simpsons. It's like, we get it, we get what you're trying to do, we don't necessarily have to do this anymore, but okay, if you want to do it, do it. We just weren't watching. So, there's that. Um, of course, they had the episode, the hijinks, where they did the episode where they get an actor to pretend to be a parent. They, did, they threw that one up. The house party episode, they definitely threw that up. Uh, and Slater does do the iconic... Uh, Barber Ann with a couple of the guys with the with the Kanye West sunglasses and the day glow outfits. He does that. Uh, let's see. There's a lot like it, it. It harkens back. It harken. It harkens back. Little details like that. They do harken back to it. Uh, let's see. So I guess to say um, if you ask me to grade the show as a whole. If you ask me to grade the show as a whole, the show gets a solid B plus, high B plus from me. Um, and I, the reason why I don't give it anything a little higher is because I have to see what they do in season two. I appreciate the fact that they managed to churn out something that's really good. It's relevant. It's fret. It's relevant. It's fresh. It's updated. It's smarter. It's smart. Um, I think it does a really good job at um trying to not only bring back the original bring back most of the original cast and honor them honor them and their personalities and their growth because there is there is a um there is an episode which episode is that it is the Todd capsule um the eighth episode where they, it's homecoming and Zach and Kelly come back to Bayside and the four of them, Zach, Kelly, Jesse, and AC, they try to, you know, it's like they, they realize that they've fallen out of sorts with each other over the years. And so um, 
So I'm not going to tell you everything that happens in the episode, but they do play with the canine in it. Um, and what what's really and what's really fascinating is the fact that they really did. Um, all right, I guess it's, it's on Wikipedia, so I guess I'll tell you about it. So I guess I'll just mention it. Uh, Todd Toddman, the principal, the current principal, is actually one of them. He was actually one of them, but they just don't remember it. And the only one that remembers him is actually Lisa. So this is a third way. Well, this is actually how they. I told you that they honor Screech. So, you know, there are six members in the show, in the original Kanon. Um, the thing is, you have Zach, Kelly, Jesse. Zach, Kelly, Jesse, Slater, and um, Lisa. Because those are the four um, on-trend, on-beat, here, cool. And then there was Screech. And Screech is kind of offbeat, a little dorky. He hung around with them. And you also saw that dynamic in real life because they were all in that same age group. And Dustin Diamond was always a couple of years behind. So Dustin Diamond is actually playing his age on the show. So if he's playing, so if they're all... If they are all playing 15-year-olds, Dustin Diamond is actually 15 at the time. He's playing his age. So, of course, things are a little dorky, a little offbeat. You know, it's like you kind of notice that in his voice, his, his like the cracking in his voice and all that other stuff. So, in a way, they kind of, they give you Toddman as a definite stand-in for Screech because Screech can't be here at the moment. And it's and what I love, and I don't know who else will pick up on that, Lisa is the one that remembers him the most. So, of course, you know that Screech had a heavy crush on Lisa to the point that throughout the entire four years, he taunted her, he wooed her, he serenaded her. He really tried to win her heart, never worked out, but... And I guess over time, when somebody is that much in your life to the point that, you know, it's like they're just a part of you every single day, of course, she would be the one to remember him. So I, I love the fact that they played with that dynamic. So kudos to you guys on that front. And so let's do that. So I think that's how they honored him. And he's also the one that says, it's like, you guys don't remember me and you guys are so selfish. And why don't you do, why can't you just remember me? And in a way, I feel like it's them. It's Todman's character is basically Screech trying to talk to them. So I'm guessing that the writers, like the writer of the episode, I'm going to dig that up right quick. Did the writer of the Tra uh, Tracy Wigfield and Beth Col Coyle I think what they were trying to do is like they were trying to say hey remember Screech no matter what remember that dorky sixth kid he wasn't like the other ones but he existed he's there and because he was supposed to be the principal of Bayside he is there forever linked to Bayside and I love that and um shout out to them for giving giving that to us thank you so much for that that was fabulous on your part thank you and i think that's one of the most endearing qualities i enjoyed about the show myself the fact that they did that they honored screech in such a way because if you kind of notice over time the character of screech has always been has become a martyr for the series itself it's like why would they why were they doing screech dirty like that why is it that he never gets this that and the third so that's kind of fascinating and when i started to see other characters coming in coming back i'm actually quite curious as to see if tori spelling comes back as violet bickerstaff I thought that that's what's going to happen, but it didn't. So we'll see. This is why I said that this show definitely leaves so much to play with because so many people ran through that show. You know, so many people that became big stars ran through that show. And there's so much memory and such a 
such a vast amount of information to dig through. I wouldn't even be surprised if they tried to bring back the Miss Bliss click. You know, it's like if you go back even further in, like if they did that, that would be astounding. Because then it could bring those people up. It could bring in like Heather Hopper and um, Mike, the Mikey, the actor that played Mikey. You know, you could update them as well. Even though they were in Indiana and they couldn't make the cut, you know, I'd love to see that too. And you could probably see Haley Mills coming in as Miss Bliss. Like, I don't remember Miss Bliss. You know, like that sort of thing. So we will see what happens. But that was... So, again, the show gets a solid B+, a very high B+, from me. Hopefully it works and hopefully it is a season two. Um, as I'm seeing right now, um, according to Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 77%. And it's getting a six, uh, 6 6.78 out of 10. And the consensus is actually reading, though the intended grade isn't always clear, Saved by the Bell's ca uh, capable cast of newcomers makes Bayside Halls their own in a reboot that's smart, self-aware, and seriously funny. So they nailed it. So they nailed it, and we will see what happens. Um, I'll let you know in a future episode if the show is picked up. That'd be exciting as hell. And with that, thank you again for listening to my podcast, The Red-Lipped Rant, with your girl Joni. This is Joni, wishing you happy holidays, and also reminding you that this podcast is available across all the platforms that you know to listen to podcasts. 